Hey, Tommy G here. Welcome to episode 97 of Tommy G Talks. Do make sure you subscribe to the podcast for future episodes and thank you for being here. In this episode, I caught up with Theo Millward. Theo is the managing director of Swimtime UK. I met him when we were both speakers at an event called Franchise Fest. I was very impressed with Theo's uh, delivery. I thought he seemed like a very interesting person. I loved how his values aligned with mine in the sense that he loves developing sport among young people uh, and he is a real purpose-driven leader. So not only does Theo share some of his stories as to how he became the person who he is today, we also talked about some of the challenges that we're faced with as young entrepreneurs and how our leadership styles have grown and developed over the years and also some of the lessons that sport has actually taught us that are very much relevant now in business. So get your ears around this one, think you're going to like it and do remember to let me know what you think. Here it is. Welcome to Tommy G Talks. My name is Theo. I'm the owner and managing director of Swim Time, and we have one of the largest national swim schools in the UK. So, teaching uh, cradle to grave babies right through to adults um, to swim. And the reason I do it um, is that the current statistic in the UK is that a third of children leave primary school unable to swim 25 meters, um, which I personally think isn't acceptable. And I think for many, many years, um, lots of organisations have tried to change that with little effect. So um, it's a real privilege and an honour, I guess, to have the opportunity to try and turn that statistic around and, and be at the coalface. So that's why we do it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Theo. Uh, my question is, when did you know that you cared about that so much? Well, that's a great question. Um, I've known for some time. I mean, I've been involved in the industry for quite a while. Um, and I'm aware that the, the, the statistic um, has been very stubborn. Um, so I couldn't put an actual date on it, but it's been, I, I suppose that the better way to answer it is I, I've been involved in sport, in high performance sport in one sort of form or another for, for, for many, many years, um, since about the age of 11 or 12. And sport gave me something that I've never been able to replicate in any other part of my life. And for me, for that, it's been actually about how to deal with failure and how to deal with success, um, but both with, with, in team sports and individually. And, and that, that sort of ability, that skill set for me is such an essential part of life skills. Um, and whether that's delivered through swimming or through football or through martial arts or a whole host of sports, um, I just think it's such an important skill set for, for young people to have. And it's something that I, I call upon in my life pretty much every day. And, and so the chance to give that to young people when it's fallen out of the curriculum for many young people, I think, is, is fantastic. And from a swimming point of view, I believe it's the only sport that can save your life. I often joke and say, well, probably if you can, if you, if you can run, then that's, uh, that's probably quite useful as well. But um, I think generally speaking, you can say swimming is the only sport that will save your life. Very, very true. Good point. Now, Theo, you and I met at Franchise Fest, an event that we were both speaking at. This was about three or four weeks ago now. And although we didn't really get much of a chance to actually talk on the day, um, 
I did stay and watched you speak and um, I was very impressed with the way that you uh, were bringing your points across, the way that you engaged the room. I just had a good feeling that there was going to be some kind of synchronicity between us. So um, it's great to be talking to you now on the podcast. Taking part in sport is really key for young people. I think it really sets us up, uh, sets people up for, for life. It teaches them some very important lessons. Now, I shared a little bit of this at Franchise Fest, but my brother sadly passed away uh, when he was uh, 13, and he was a really keen sportsman, very inclusive, really encouraged his friends, and very you know fair and played sport in a really great way. Um, so from the heart, we knew that we wanted to do something, uh, and he was so passionate about sport, we knew we'd set up a charity in his name uh, to preserve that essence and that legacy. And um, I guess from a mature chairman of the charity point of view, really emphasizing and putting a strong um, strong pathway in place for young people to take part in sport is very important. Not only is it great for their health and everything, but also it does set them up for life. So we share that in common. We both believe that sport is a great vessel for so many other uh, parts of growing up and self-development. Um, and it doesn't really matter what sport it is. You know, I think that that journey is there for us. So I'm keen to know what lessons did sport teach you? Oh, this is great. I'm going to love talking about this. Um, well, first of all, this is very tangential to what I now do in business, which is going to really um, confuse people. Um, so, I mean, I've always been a bit of a runner right, in terms of for my own personal fitness. That's that's what I do now. Um, but the sport I was involved in for many, many years was was rowing. Um, and what's going to be even more surprising, those of, those people of your audience that might have met me will know I'm, I'm, I'm quite slight of stature. Um, so to, to second guess, the, the obvious question is I didn't, um, although I, I can row well, I'm not a very good rower in the sense I'm not physically enormous, which is a fairly major attribute. So I, actually in, in sport, um, I was a cox. Um, and I actually coxed all the way up to um, representing England um, in 2006. Um, so I've been involved in sport at an extremely high level. Um, and certainly the psychological side of doing that um, has been fascinating to me. Um, and and it was, it's just been the most amazing experience to understand the human nature so when you're coxing eight guys um, or girls but in my case it was guys um who have very different psychological profiles uh, people assume they're all alpha males they're not necessarily and you've got one uh, line of communication through the speakers in the boat and you say you've got a seven or eight minute race um they could well have been training for a year and they will have um, probably put relationships on hold. They would have made a lot of decisions on hold in favor of training for this. And you have the complete power in your hands to, to win or lose that. Um, and, and the psychology behind motivation and bringing people together is awesome. Um, and I've definitely got some of those things very wrong, but I've got a few of them very right as well. And the euphoria of when you, when you get eight people to be greater than the sum of their parts, um, it sends chills down your spine. Like it's the most powerful aspect of humanity that you can make people perform beyond what they think they can perform. And the fact that you can do that purely with, with your voice and, and with, with, with manipulating their mindset whilst under great pressure is just epic. And um, it took a lot of crafting to get there, but those are the kind of skills that I bring into my work. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a, a really humbling experience to be able to do that. And I, I still reflect back on that fondly of, just an amazing experience and an amazing thing to be able to do and 
the friendships I've built through that, uh, you, you, you don't get it anywhere else because you go through such such tough times together. You know, we've had stuff in the morning where literally you, my hands are frozen to the side of the boat. You know, ice has formed on my jacket. You know, all that kind of stuff happens. And yeah, it's just just amazing experience. But I know with yourself, you know, you've done a lot of high performance sport yourself. So I guess you'll kind of be able to relate to some of those things. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it teaches you so much when there's so much at stake and when it involves other people as well it becomes really quite interesting. And I love what you've uh, done there and what you've shared. It's a great example of leadership, but it's also empowerment. It's like empowerment leadership, if that's a phrase mm. it should be. We'll coin that. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> about getting the best out of people and not only getting them to, or you know, encouraging them to do a certain thing, a certain way, but actually getting it to become part mm. of their purpose so that when you push that button, they're also pushing their own button as well. It becomes a joint purpose. It's empowerment in one direction. And I, I love uh, that example. I think that's great. And you're obviously doing that as well in business, but we'll talk about that soon. Mm. My next question is, as well as examples of how things you've learned in sport have helped you in business, what examples can you share with us where that hasn't actually helped you in business and it's end up being a bit of a problem? Oh, Wow. Um, it's definitely not helped me in business in certain aspects. I think it's one of those things where it's a double-edged sword. So, um, the way I've always gone about things is, is try to be true to myself. And I think that's something that sort of came to me later on in life. And I, I suppose that's probably a natural progression that every, every person goes through in their life. But once you decide who you are, um, I've always been true to that. And the reality is that some people will, uh, relate to that and engage with that. And it, it will potentially frustrate and even more negative words other people and that that is that is human nature and i think it takes it takes a lot of strength and and i suppose maturity and i don't mean that in a patronizing sense because i wouldn't particularly call myself mature um but it takes a lot of maturity to actually accept that and to go do you know what that's okay and be quite content that in a situation somebody might walk away from that not liking you um but yeah, it's definitely happened. I mean, even sort of with swim time, you know, we went through a lot of transitions and, and, you know, we, as I talked in franchise first, we've unfortunately had to part ways, um, with certain individuals, which is, which is always tough. Um, and, and I, I've not yet met anybody who enjoys doing that. Um, despite sometimes you hear bravado, you know, in the pub and things. Um, I don't know many people that genuinely enjoy doing that, but it, it, it's part of it, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what your take on it is, but I just think it's part of being an all-rounded business person making those tough decisions. I think you've got to understand and accept that you can't be all things to all people and that you are going to have to have very meaningful conversations with people every now and again to discuss what has to happen, what options people have and the route that people need to go on in order to stay true to themselves in their own journey. But yeah, I think it's impossible to please everyone. It's certainly something I've learned this year. You know, it's okay to move on and for things to change. We have to be able to embrace that and we have to be able to take a really mature approach, you know. Um, and I think that can go across not just in business, but in relationships in general. You know, everybody has their own agenda, their own values, uh, what's important to them, what isn't. Those things are going to change and evolve. As the world revolves, we evolve. And whenever it's to do with anyone else in any context, we always have to appreciate that we're dealing with two human beings, two complicated people that are fueled on emotion. And so 
things will change, uh, markers will move, goals will, 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 will transform, and that's okay. We have to be able to be honest with ourselves and encourage a positive conversation. So Theo, let's talk about business. You acquired a business, you, you bought a business, and that is the business that you own and op- operate right now. Um, when was it that you took that on? Uh, it was 2016, is it? Yes, 2016. Okay, cool. And um, hey, what's what's changed uh, since then? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think it would be easy to say what hasn't changed. Well, um, I mean... Yeah, on the surface of things, can easily, people can easily see and relate to. So total rebrand, um, an entire digital transformation from essentially a paper-based business to a pure digital transacting business. Um, I mean, to put numbers on it, staff have gone from four to 22. Um, you know, turnovers, you know, several multiples of what it was when I bought it. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much it's unrecognizable to what I bought. I think this probably is, would be a fair, fair comment. Wow, so cool. And I bet there's a, a lot of uh, stories that you could share with us about that whole process. You've done so well there um, in, such, in such a short space of time. Um, so I always get excited about this question. When you were going through it, like right before it all began, did you know what you were capable of? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I've always been quite confident in my abilities. Um but I, I, I also always struggle a little bit with imposter syndrome, which I know is a big feature with entrepreneurs. Um, and it's interesting to talk about a word, actually, and this, this always surprises people. I didn't identify as an entrepreneur until about two years ago, um, which still surprises me, but that's the honest truth. Um, and actually, that's, yeah, so what happened was I was, uh, we, we were going through really tough times. Um, you know, the, tra- the transition that we'd started was very, very painful. We, we faced a lot of resistance, um, a lot of challenges. And, and as is always the thing, you know, everything being, ends up being twice as long and twice as expensive as you thought. And, you know, every business under the sun, I think, goes through that process. I remember vividly what happened. I was sitting on my sofa um, late at night and I'm one of these weirdos that never stops working. And I was flicking through sort of various sort of news articles and whatever. An advert popped up for an accelerated program um, now run by NatWest, um, uh, the Entrepreneur Accelerator Program, uh, to apply. And I just thought, sod it, I'll go for it. And I, I honestly, they get really angry when I say this, but I'm just going to be honest. I, I did the most lacklustre application ever. It was just like a handful of words. And I thought, oh, I'll sod it. And long story short, I, I got an interview, we got in and we got a place. And it's a fully funded accelerator program in blocks of six months with mentorship um, common office space, but most importantly, a community. And the very first day we all got together and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit skeptical of these sort of things anyway, or I certainly was. Um, and I, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Um, a guy called Lee was at the time, um, running this opening sort of kickoff event. And there's about hundred businesses there. And he said, um, does anyone want to put their hand up and admit now that they're scared? And, without even knowing it's one of those almost like comical moments where I looked across and suddenly I realized my hand had gone up involuntarily and a microphone was being shoved towards my face in front of a room of nice people I'd never met before. And the guy just said, talk to us about it. And I was just sort of like, um, I sort of, you know, talked about my fears around the change in the process. And he just said to me in front of the whole room, he said, Theo, that is an entrepreneur. And I was like, Oh, 
and and I can remember as clear as day, it was like a switch into my went in my head, and that changed everything for me, my perspective. Um, it, it it was so liberating. I can't begin to un, begin to describe it. It was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. And the best way I can try and describe it is I didn't feel alone anymore, and I'd felt alone for as long as I can remember. And that's not any dis- disservice to my team or my family or my friends who'd be wonderfully supportive, but I, I never felt anybody truly understood what it was like until that moment. And suddenly I met this community of people who were going through exactly the same emotions, exactly the same fears and trials and tribulations, and we could share those together. And that changed everything for me. Wow, thank you for sharing. I can really relate to that there because as an entrepreneur, it's a very... Um, it's a very lonely, lonely journey. It really is. And I don't know about you, Theo, but I think it's down to the fact that you have to have a lot of conversations with yourself in your own head. And the reason why you have to have those conversations with yourself in your own head is because it's very difficult for other people around you to be able to fully understand it, especially if it comes from like a visionary point of view. It's very difficult for them to understand. Actually, whenever I share um, anything that I'm thinking, which I haven't quite figured out yet, I can really freak people out around me. Like they could be like, what do you mean this is going to happen? Or what do you mean that, that, you know, that's that risk over there or that you don't know how to do this or da, da, da. And um, sometimes it is better off just keeping it in your head. But when you find a person or a community that can really understand you, it can change a lot, can't it? Like identifying and accepting that you are in fact an entrepreneur, which has various connotations associated to it as a word, um, is you know it's a nice thing. It's a big deal. Did the meaning of the word entrepreneur change for you when you had this process happen? I don't. For me personally, I don't think it changed the meaning. It just it it it, it was that ascribing to me. So so one of the things I've chatted to a couple of um, colleagues about in the past and sort of within the sector that we operate in is is around creativity. So I didn't consider myself to be creative because for me, creativity was about art and I can't draw. And yet I now realize that I'm actually an extremely creative person um, because creativity is about problem solving. It's about solutions. It's for some reason in my head, and maybe you've got a view on this or your listeners have a view on this, but I associated creativity with literally the ability to draw. And I draw like I'm a crazy person. I mean, I just, I just can't, it's just, it's just a horror show. Um, uh, for some reason, that was that was the relationship I had with it because I was not very good at art at school and all that other stuff. But actually, creativity is so much more than that. Um, and and creative problem solving is, to me, is is what I do. Um, and that is the essence of entrepreneurship. It's that ability to adapt and create. And yeah, it's just I say right. Yeah, I suppose it's a tough one to answer. But the word hasn't changed. I think it's how I feel about myself in relation to that that skill set has changed. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's interesting actually that you bring up creativity because like my my opinion, my view on creativity, especially in business, is that when we are being creative, it means that we're engaged. It means that we are actually uh, bringing our energy and our vibration, if you will, up to an extremely high level. I actually believe that creativity is uh, attached to our purpose as an individual, as a unique human being. And it brings out the best in us. It brings out our most creative uh, way of thinking and speaking and moving and interacting, but also brings out our unique gifts. We we are able to see things differently to other people because our head is above the clouds and we can literally amplify our own personal vision, which obviously as a business owner and a leader is essential because that way you can see things broader, clearer. You can start to actually translate 
your vision into instructions and help people understand that vision so that they can follow it and jump on board and actually be part of the vision. And for me, it is actually an essential part of the package for a great leader. So I love how you bring that up because it's allowed me to go there. So I really appreciate that. Um, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, a little bit about team, a little bit about teamwork and what it means to be a, a leader of a team. Now I remember speaking uh, when I was speaking at Franchise Fest, looking over to my left and seeing a table which at the time I didn't know was you, your team. I think Rob was there, a couple of other people maybe. Um, and I do remember uh, your guys and girls being extremely engaging. Um, and engaged with what I was saying, uh, their eyes were very much lit up, they were nodding, they were really in sync with what I was saying. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, in the moment, like, wow, these guys are really lit up, they're really engaged. To later then find out that they were your guys and girls, your team, your employees, was really quite cool because I then had, the, had it in my head, this awareness of them being so positive and engaged and, and happy and sort of seemingly... Um, lit up that then that led me to digging a little bit and seeing you on LinkedIn and looking at photos of you guys um, at award ceremonies and the fact that you're always championing their efforts and they always seem very happy, positive and on board with everything that the company and you were doing. Um, I just thought it was really great. It was great to see and it's credit to you as a leader. Um, so I want to know, you know, how important is it in your opinion to have such an engaged team of people in and around you? I mean, yeah, everything. So one of the mistakes I made in previous aspects of my career was I, I very much was a, a one-man band and, and was very poor at delegation. Um, and one of the things I've learned very, very rapidly with this business acquisition and, and, and our ambitions commercially is that I cannot do it on my own. Um, I don't have... No one person has the skill set to do it on their own, but even just workload. So I, I've been very heavily focused with myself about um, delegation and empowering the team. And for me, that all comes to vision. So we have a very clear vision of why we do what we do, which I articulate at the start of the podcast. Um, and actually, funnily enough, that's one of the things the NatWest Accelerator got us to work on first was a 60-second pitch. So describing why you do what you do in 60 seconds, and it's such a liberating process and at the time, I remember thinking, scoffing, thinking, well, that's a load of rubbish. Well, you know, you're never going to stand somebody and pitch in 60 seconds and walk away. You're not. But what it does is it really refines and distills who you are, why you do it, and what you want. And if you can't distill that in 60 seconds, it's not focused enough. And funny enough, Tommy, every meeting that we have where I get the team together, I'll always start the meeting with my vision and the vision for the company so that we always have the context of why we do what we do, which is why I started my talk with it at Franchise Fest, because although we talked a lot about technology, I wanted people to have in the back of the mind of what drove that decision-making process. So I hope, and I think it's really heartwarming that you recognize that without even knowing who we were and what we were about. I hope, and my, my belief is my, that the team really believe why we do what we do. We're absolutely focused on why we do what we do. And that enables them to creatively problem solve. And what's so beautiful about that is I haven't got all the answers, but I've got people working in specialist areas. And one of the things I love is when somebody comes to me who potentially is relatively junior, which ha which just happens more often than you think, and actually says, you know what, I think we're not doing that right. Let's do it like this. And nine times out of 10, it's a brilliant idea, really well thought through. They feel great. The business feels great. And it's just a lovely kind of cohesive environment. 
that makes us more than, than the sum of our parts, which is why I think we achieve so much with comparatively so little budget. Um, it's yeah, it's it is everything. It's everything. It's the reason we succeed. Yeah, well, you can really see that. You know, it's obvious um, that you guys are tight. And do you know what? It's it's kind of more than that. I think it seems like you've all got each other's backs, and there's no doubt that the people around you they they believe in you. They believe in your vision. Um, they believe in your ability, and they probably believe in each other as well and and themselves, um, which is the definition of empowerment in my opinion so you've done really well uh, to do that and to be achieving such great results in your business and you always put them first as well which is really interesting as an observation in any of the award pictures and award you know descriptions and stuff like that it always says my team you know and i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my team etc so i love that i think it's a great uh position to take and, and it shows how authentic you are and how authentic your company is and everybody who's involved in that so again mate well done it's really great to see uh, really inspirational now my next question is when you are in this position of running a business being extremely busy having to have conversations with yourself a lot of the time um how how do you approach it socially like what advice would you give someone who's in a similar position to us uh you know early 30s perhaps in their um first or second business and you know they're they're a few years in uh to it being sort of real um what advice have you got on a social point of view yeah that's a tough one um i think it's so important to put yourself out there and whatever you do so so personally um I've got a real passion for amateur dramatics, which everyone goes, oh yeah, that makes so much sense when they see me do their, do my um, uh, presentations. Um, and, and I love that for so many reasons. Um, but but it, it, the main reason is it's so different to what I do. And, and that ability to, to lose yourself with something that's completely different to what you do forces me to switch off. Because I can tell you now, Tommy, there is nothing more terrifying than knowing you're going to stand on stage in front of five, six, hundred, maybe a thousand people, sing and dance at the same time, and worry you might look like a plonker. That that really does quicken the pulse very quickly. So you you, you suddenly realise you know you better focus on whatever it is you're working on for that aspect of performance so that you don't look a little bit silly. Um, and that for me is a bit of escapism. Um, the other thing I, I advice I would give is get yourself out there in terms of different groups that you don't normally associate with. And some some of the some of the things that really matter to me is actually listening, listening and learning from other people who work in completely different sectors or perhaps have different viewpoints, whether it's politically, whether it's socially, um, because you always learn something and you always get that reflection because I think it's very easy to get lost in your own world and your own problems. And I think one of the mistakes so I, I know I certainly made was, was not wanting to trouble people with my problems because in many ways I'm very fortunate. You know, I, a lot of people are sparked from their own business and I've got that. So I thought, well, how can I possibly legitimately have a – you know, be stressed or be upset, you know, when I, I've got friends who would dream to have the opportunities I have. Um, but actually, if they're true friends uh, and, they're, and they're true people that, you know, that are there for you, that doesn't matter. They just, they just want to, they just want to listen and be involved. So I think don't be, don't be shy to share. And yeah, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know, maybe, maybe you, you share a slightly watered down version or, or maybe you admit some key details, but that doesn't mean you can't get that pastoral support. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you can't have that give and take relationship with, with those that are close to you. So it's really important to talk. And I know you're passionate about mental health like I am. And I think certainly amongst men, um, male friends are, I know, um, it's still an issue that we've got to work on. I don't, I don't think guys talk enough about it. Um, uh, so I, I encourage everybody to do that. 
Yeah, good advice. Good advice. And uh, that's exactly why, you know, by the way, thanks for letting me go here, Theo, with this. Um, why I'm recording a brand new show. The show is called The Mental Support Show. And it's to help people uh, with genuine talking points and advice in and around mental health challenges and problems. And the very first episode is actually uh, men's mental health. So, Depending on when you're hearing this, the episode may have already gone out. It will be the start of January uh, 2020. Um, but uh, really looking forward to spreading that message. So, Theo, we're almost coming to the end of our interview now. If someone's, especially this time of year, turning into a new year, thinking about goals, thinking about what they want to achieve, if someone's having one of those crazy moments, they're thinking about starting a business, buying a business, stepping up and you know challenging themselves in a professional way, what would be your best advice, my friend? Uh, probably the big thing for me is there is no substitute for hard work. Um, one of my frustrations with the Instagram generation is I think it's very easy for people to see these pictures of success and, and however you view success, whether it's fast cars or, uh, you know, beautiful looking people or holiday snaps or whatever. And from my experience, not that I'm particularly tuned into that from a personal level, but seeing friends and, and, and those close to me, um, you know, that, that, that I know are on these kind of platforms, I think it's very easy for people to not realize how much hard work goes, goes behind it. Um, and, and there is no substitute for sheer rolling your sleeves up, getting your hands dirty and putting the graft in. That is the only way that it happens. Um, my other piece of advice, which I try and live by all the time is to just treat everybody in the same way that you expect to be treated yourself, treating people with respect, um, Yes, you always have to make difficult decisions. Yes, you will fall out with people. Yes, well, you'll have differences of views. But it doesn't matter whether it's the postman knocking on the door or a CEO of a company I'm trying to trade with. Um, we always, or as a team and as a business, and me personally, I always try and treat everybody with respect, you know, from the top to the bottom of the organization. Because ultimately, we're all people. We're, we're all human beings. And not everyone's as intelligent as everyone else. Not everyone's going to be as successful as everybody else. But I think we've got to treat each other properly. And I think... Certainly in our, in our country and in the world, we could do a little bit more of that right now. Yeah, I agree, mate. And thank you so much for bringing uh, everything up that you've brought up today, sharing everything that you've shared. Uh, you've been a great guest. Um, thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode on Tommy G Talks. If uh, people listening to this want to get a little bit more information about you, what you do, they want to connect with you, they want to follow you, uh, what is or where is the best place for them to be able to connect with you, Theo? Yeah, I mean, just just look me up on LinkedIn. Um, we're, you know, really happy to give back and support. That's what we're all about. A lot of people help me, so yeah, just get in touch on LinkedIn, and um, yeah, let's see what we can do. Thanks very much, mate. Again, really appreciate it. Top man. Have an amazing Christmas. Thank you. You too. Deeper into the truth. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Tommy G Talks. We are so close now to episode 100. I've got something very special planned for you for episode 100. I think you're going to love it. Make sure that you're here for the ride. Subscribe if you haven't already subscribed to make sure that you get the episodes every time they come out. And thanks again for listening. I'd love to know what you thought about this episode with Theo Millward. Please do send me a tweet or hit me on Instagram. Send me a screenshot. It's just at Tommy Gentleman. Or indeed, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on there. Just search for my name. Thanks again for listening. I'll speak to you again next time.